Millions of Chinese women over a span of 1,000 years literally mangled their feet, all in the name of fashion. The internet says it's true. Welcome! This is The Internet Says It's True. It's a podcast where every week we learn something that sounds made up but is really true. Part of the WCBE podcast experience in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Michael Kent. Welcome back! It is time for a new episode, and this is one that has been on my list for a while. We're going to talk about the barbaric practice of Chinese foot binding. Don't forget that we've now got merch up on the website. I love the t-shirt that's there. You can grab one of those at the internet. Says it's true.com. Just click merch. If you're a Patreon member, you get 20% off of all the merch with your promo code. So if you want that discount and a ton of other goodies like access to episodes early and ad-free, bonus content, and more, go to patreon.com slash michaelkent and subscribe there. You can join at whatever level you want, whether it's $1 or $5 or $10. I promise it's worth it. And besides, it's just a great way to support a podcast that you enjoy. So with all that said, let's get into this week's story. Throughout history, we've seen a few examples of fashion becoming harmful. I made a quick list and here are some of them. Corsets have been a fashion item going back to the 1820s and Especially if they are cinched tightly, they can cause serious health problems. They can cause core muscles to weaken, which leads to back problems, but they can also sort of push your organs down, causing atrophy and reduce lung capacity. Another sign of wealth was the high collar worn by men. There are examples of men literally choking themselves to death with a stiff high collar. I read a newspaper article about a man who had a, a stiff high collar and fell asleep sitting up and choked himself out. He died. Uh, the same could be said for women's chokers. And if we're talking chokers, we can see the fashion and cultural trend of the Cayenne tribe in Myanmar, who stretch their necks with multiple brass neck rings. The rings have been known to push the collarbone down over time, which can cause the vertebrae to collapse. In Ethiopia, the Mercy tribe has worn large plates in their lips for centuries, and this causes permanent disfiguration among other issues. Now, that the same thing could be said for the fashion of ear gauges, which need to be done carefully to avoid permanent scarring and pain, but even when done right, they cause irreversible stretching. Some of these fashion trends seemed cool at the time until science realized how dangerous they were. For instance, radium was used in hair and cosmetics because it gave this radiant glow. But they didn't know at the time how dangerous those radioactive isotopes could be. Well, like these fashion trends that I've listed, there's one that occurred in China for a millennium. The practice of foot binding dates back to the 10th century. An early description of the practice mentions the emperor's favorite concubine dancing on a lotus-shaped stage who had bound her feet into the shape of hooves. This was the period of China known as the Five Dynasties and Ten Kingdoms that succeeded the Tang Dynasty. This concubine of the emperor was popular and envied by the other women in his back palace. Back palace was basically another phrase that meant harem. But these were high-class women, and binding their feet became a symbol associated with royalty. 200 years later, in the 12th century, not only had foot binding continued, it had become so popular that every young girl in China wanted bound feet. And this was the time of the Song Dynasty. Basically, if a female wanted to eventually get married, 
she would have to have bound feet. Whereas the original foot binding was associated with sexuality, the practice was, by the 12th century, associated with modesty, virtue, and morality. The girls who didn't bind their feet were viewed as lower class or poor. It was every girl's aspiration during this period to have her feet bound. So what is this? What is foot binding? The best way to answer this would be to look at a photo, so I've included a few in the show notes for this week. But essentially, from a young age, usually around 10 or 12 years old, they would begin wrapping their feet tightly in muslin cloth. I found some sources that say this wrapping began as early as age 4. I've also found sources that dispute that. They couldn't wait too long because they had to do it before the girl's feet were fully grown. The practice of foot binding was painful and this was easier for parents to do to a young person. The first binding would accompany a ceremony to ward off bad luck. The feet would be soaked in hot water, toenails cut short, and then the toes would be broken and folded down under the sole of the foot to make the foot smaller. Then the foot would be bent downward at the arch and wrapped tightly. This actually entailed repeatedly breaking the foot when it grew too large. They would be encouraged to walk on their bound feet, and the wrappings would be changed every few days. And the result was that as they aged, their feet grew into this bound form that sort of resembled a hoof. The process took about two years to complete, and it was referred to as having lotus feet. Of course, this also affected the way that a woman with bound feet walked. It really was like walking on point, or as if she really had hooves. And so not only the appearance of a girl's feet could telegraph her social status, but also the way that she walked. Chinese men came to love and expect women to have so-called lotus feet. The toast to the golden lotus was a special ceremonial toast performed by Chinese men in which they would drink from the tiny shoes that were made for lotus feet. These tiny shoes were called lotus shoes, and they were just two to three inches wide by around five inches long. They really looked like shoes made for dolls. Like a few of the stories I've covered in the past, like the episode about straw hats, one of the reasons that bound feet were a status symbol was because of this idea that if you had bound feet, you weren't able to go and work in fields or do manual labor. This is similar to the several societies in which men grow a fingernail long or wear white clothes to show that they aren't in the working labor class. A three-inch foot was known as a golden lotus, and it was the most desirable foot size. The silver lotus was a four-inch foot and was still acceptable, but once the foot was five inches or more, it was deemed an iron lotus, and it was a symbol of lower class. This actually affected whether or not a girl could find a husband. So why? Why on earth did this barbaric practice last for so long? We'll talk about that after a couple quick words. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. 
Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to the internet says it's true.com slash deals for the link. On the Music Journeys podcast, artists reflect on their careers and the importance of music in their lives. Donna McGavaro has been singing for decades in Columbus and still finds inspiration in crafting new songs. It keeps me centered. It's a spiritual path. I do not believe I'm the best, but I feel I have something to offer, too. I keep putting it out there. Keeps me young, Mike. Hear more from McGavaro and other local and national artists on Music Journeys in the podcast experience at wcbe.org. Of course, the practice of Chinese foot binding had horrible permanent effects. These consequences were neglected for a millennium, all for the cause of fashion. This little signal of class was so important that it made millions of women ignore that their feet were repeatedly broken, causing horrible pain. And millions of women did this to their little girls. Because if they didn't, they saw the social consequences as even worse than the physical ones. The process of binding the feet could sometimes lead to infection, which could then lead to gangrene. And it's hard to tell how many, but it's believed that many young girls died from this. If the foot didn't become infected, they would certainly become atrophied, tendons and muscles would weaken, and circulation in the foot would be severely limited. The weight of the human body is meant to be spread out and distributed between the toes, the balls of the foot, and the heel. So when a woman had a bound foot, her weight would rest on just a couple small points, causing unusual stress. This led to a larger-than-average amount of hip fractures. Doctors have actually conducted studies on these women and found that they have lower bone density in their hips. Women with bound feet could never walk normally again, but as we talked about a little bit earlier, the walk was all part of that social picture. This debilitating walk was a sign of bound feet, which was a sign of high class. But as women with so-called lotus feet aged, they were unable to participate in some of the normal parts of life, like leaving the house to go to the store, for example. A couple weeks ago, we replayed the episode about the limping ladies of London, which is a similar sociological issue. Women pretended to limp in order to mimic the Princess of Wales, who had a legitimate medical condition. China did one better. They gave millions of women for thousands of years an actual legitimate medical condition. So why did this last so long? Social pressure is very, very strong. And unlike a clothing fad, this was lifelong. So little girls saw their moms with bound feet, who saw their mothers with bound feet. And if the process took place when a girl was a teenager, it may have ended sooner as a young girl gained agency and said, hey, I don't want this. But the practice was to do it at a very young age. In this way, it's almost like the practice of circumcision. The child really has no say in it. And there was an additional cultural pressure that may have been just as strong as the pressure to fit into Chinese social class. Ethnic pride. China was the only place that had this practice. 
So it was a way to show where you're from and take pride and celebrate that. In this way, it's probably much like the neck rings and lip plates in Myanmar and Ethiopia I mentioned earlier. And if you look back into the history of China, it was a way for those women to show themselves as different than the Mongols who ruled them after 1279 and then different than the Manchu people who ruled them in the 1600s. The negative effects of the practice weren't lost on people, and there were groups that tried to end it. The first that I could find was a very early Chinese feminist who had her feet bound and then decided to undergo the painful process of breaking her feet to unbind them as an adult. Her name was Qiu Jin, and she lived from 1875 to 1907. So this is very early for feminism, especially in China. She was shunned and attacked for her views. She was able to learn about Western cultures because of her wealthy family. This exposed her to education and travel, and she was able to see how barbaric the practice actually was. She spoke out publicly against foot binding and co-founded a feminist newspaper, which was shut down by China after two issues. The Manchus themselves, who ruled over China in the 17th century, tried to end foot binding, but the Chinese public fought back to protect this practice that they saw as part of their culture. They banned it, but the public didn't change. Societies to end foot binding were formed toward the end of the 19th century to educate the public. Finally, it took the Nationalist Revolution in 1911 to put an official end to foot binding, and even then, it took a long time to actually stop. In the years between 1910 and 1925, women with bound feet went from 97% in China to just 5%. In 1999, the last company to manufacture the special Lotus shoes finally closed. In 2022, it's almost impossible to find a woman with bound feet. If you were to find one, the chances are that she'd be close to 100 years old. It took a thousand years, a thousand years to end a horrible practice that hurt and possibly killed many Chinese women. There are modern parallels. Look at the wearing of high heels and stilettos. It's a modern symbol of social status that has detrimental effects on the wearer's health if worn too often. But at the end of the day, the shoes can come off. It's incredible. When you look at history, what social pressures can do to an individual. And it's safe to say, that if a modern Chinese woman saw what their female ancestors went through, they wouldn't want to be in their shoes. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today we're calling Jason Lavasser. He's a musician, a keynote speaker, and a trainer, and he's been a good friend of mine for years. Jason, it is so good to have you on the podcast this week, man. It's an honor. I've, I've been waiting for, for decades to be a part of this. For the invite? Yeah. Well, yeah, you, had to wait, you had to wait seven years for me to start a podcast of that decade, <laughs> and then I've had it for three. Not even three, really. This is uh, episode like 120 or something along those lines, oh, somewhere in there. Oh, so. oh great. It was it's a, an honor. It's an honor to be here. I'm... I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for anything you want to talk about. I'm glad you were able to squeeze it in because, as I understand, you were you were doing some home projects today. Yeah, you know, I've been on tour since August 15th. I'm home. It's post Thanksgiving. It's early December, and I had some things on my list. We ordered a a new washer dryer to put into my daughter's bathroom, and I just we decided to move the plumbing. Wow. So I was under the crawl space today, rerouting, putting in new plumbing, putting in a new drain pipe. 
next is the vent for the dryer. It's it's fun. It's I, I I daydream about stuff like this when I'm on tour. I know that it's sort of a unique way of thinking about it, but like I, I meet a lot of people who daydream about being a touring musician. <laughs> I'm a touring musician who daydreams about being a handyman. Man, you know what's weird is like I totally I totally get that. I totally understand yeah. it. And our mutual friend Evan Young, I'm sure you remember Evan. Oh. So he this is what he does now pretty much. He he okay. has this building and he's like a building manager. He renovates, nice. he's been renovating it. So he has apartment, like yeah. really nice apartments. And he taught himself how to do all this stuff. And I'm so it I'm I am. I'm envious. I look at that and I'm like, man, it would yeah. be a lot of fun to just do that all the time. Yeah. Um and let's it's do a, it. it's a grass is always greener thing. I also let's start, did, a, let's start a commune. <laughs> a commune of former of, entertainers. Of, of, of worn down buildings. And we'll, <laughs> we'll fix them. Yeah, man. It's well, it's sorely needed. Uh, yeah, I, I think rerouting plumbing is not something that would, that would be a little bit out of my skill level, but I did install a, um, a garbage disposal this week. So I'm and able to replace really a garbage disposal. I mean, you're, you're, that's, that's a big deal. I mean, that alone, <laughs> like you're ready for under the house plumbing. <sighs> the plumbing's, I mean, there's two things to remember, like gravity works yeah. and then pressure from whatever your water source also works. <laughs> so you got to turn that thing off from the street or whatever your water source is before you cut through a pipe. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, how do you know if it's a pipe that's full of water or if it's not full of water? Well, even so, they're they're all all the pipes in your house are full of water all the time. But it depends on your city. But sometimes it's coming from the street, or sometimes it's coming from the alley. And there's usually an on-off valve that shuts off the entire water to your home. And then what you want to do? I'm telling you now. Then you find the exterior hose, open up all the drains, let all the water run out of your pipes. But even when you do that. When there's no water pressure, there's still water in your pipe. So what happened to me under the house today, even though there was no water pressure, there were still a few gallons of water just oh. just hanging out, hanging out, wait, waiting to just fill up my blue jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, luckily, you buy the super absorbent. So um, I do. I yeah. do. Yeah. I guess you just got to have buckets around. I don't know. That's what I had. A, I, I was confident enough in the garbage disposal that. There wouldn't be so much water as I replaced everything that a towel couldn't fix it. So, and I was right. There was just a little bit of, yeah. I, I did okay with that. So uh, congrats yeah. to you for being a responsible homeowner and doing these things yourself. Let's get into this quiz and then we'll, yeah. in between Thank questions, you. we'll talk a little bit about you and what you do and stuff like that. But yeah. starting off, um, I, I, before we started recording, I told you, don't worry, uh, this topic has nothing to do with anything that you or I should know. Every week, it's something that's new and weird. And yeah. also for this first question, we're going to play for a joke. So if you get it wrong, you have to tell me a joke. If you get it right, I'll tell you a joke. And here, okay. and I do sure, try to I keep gotta, it. Now I'm, now I'm nervous about thinking of a joke. Don't worry about that part. We can cut All out right. the time where right. you where you Google one. Uh, that's here, great. <laughs> here's your question. For more than a thousand years, Chinese women did which one of these things in order to fit in with society? Was it A, they wore their toenails long, B, they crippled their feet in order to fit into tiny shoes, or C, they used acid to change their eye color? A, B, or C, and the answer is B. They uh, tried to fit their feet into smaller shoes. That is correct. They called it foot binding. They called it lotus feet. We call it foot really? binding. Yeah. Um, lotus feet and lotus shoes. It was a weird thing that started in the 12th, or probably I think it was the 10th century is what I found out. And it wow. went all the way up to the 20th century when it was when it was uh, ended. But 
Oh, no, I'm glad. I, I mean, I'm. I actually, that's that's what that was a fun fun fact that I knew. It, yeah. um, but I also wore two small shoes like um, for many years without knowing it. And I was having all these feet problems, and then I finally went to like a nice shoe store. Yeah. I don't know what kind of shoes you guys have, and so I was still wearing the same size sneakers I wore through high school, but I always kept getting the same size. But then I started developing like foot problems. But turns out that my feet grew a whole a whole size. Wow. I was still I was still binding my feet. You were binding your feet. Now, how old were you when this, when your feet grew from where you last, you know what I mean? Like, when do you think? After my 10th album. Like, (laughs) so so you were a well, like you were a mature adult and your feet were continuing to grow? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could also be that they widened. I mean, I could have have added more girth upstairs. So I've heard about like people who need to do like a wider foot. And and usually that just comes down to. Uh, like the brand of or the type of yeah. shoe that you're wearing, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, welcome to yeah. Foot Chat with Michael and Jason. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're gonna be just like you know, feet in general. They're gonna be some people that love this episode and some that. Okay, well, well hey, what's on your feet? What's on your feet right now? What are you uh, wearing? Vans. These are my. These are my everyday sort of. Yeah, those are great. These are about all uh, I wear is my Vans. Ready? I'm gonna show you what boots. I'm wearing. I'm wearing oh, green Crocs. Crocs. <laughs> you got the Crocs on. So, I got Crocs and socks, man. I'm home. <laughs> Crocs and socks. My <laughs> wife's a big advocate of the Crocs. Um, yeah, in fact, great. so much so that we were just at Disney World, which if you've been, you know, is a lot of walking. And yeah. she did Crocs almost every day in the parks and was fine oh. with that. I guess they're that comfortable. I do not own a pair. I want to own a pair. But several times I've gone into a store to buy Crocs and I just can't pull the trigger. I can't find they're like still they're like 50 bucks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they're expensive, but they, you know, it's it also could be the overwhelm of the options of the colors. That's what it is and I can't decide on which ones I want. And I don't ever stop to think it doesn't matter I'm never wearing these outside of the home. Yeah, minor <laughs> slippers. I these are my indoor shoes. Yeah. I Yeah, these are my yeah. And I, and I need them just like, you know, just to let the dogs out back. That's all I need. Yeah. But I need brightly colored things so that I don't lose them. That's why my hair breaks. <laughs> I understand that too. All right, so you, I owe you a joke. Here's your joke: Which philosophers in the past were obsessed with their feet? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't remember. It was either Socrates or Plato. Ah, uh, dang! Geez. You're good at this. Double pun joke uh, for you today. That is good, sock. So. For the oh. folks who who haven't already uh, Googled you as they started to listen to this, yeah. tell people about what the Rockstar Project is. The Rockstar Project is the umbrella name for my leadership development programs. And it started organically about 10 years ago when a school asked me to speak uh, rather than perform. Um, mm. And I hope it wasn't because they didn't want me to perform. But <laughs> <laughs> and I was and then I was starting to get it. And then the word got out that I was able to do educational programs along with entertainment and i needed a different name for it because jason lavasser the performer was different than jason lavasser the teacher that i was i was wearing two different hats when i would show up so i i wanted to name the educational programs something else and it, sure. it became the rockstar project early on and now it's just it's grown and grown to to you know sometimes i'm doing two or three day retreats but it's jason lavasser and the rockstar project that's great. And, um, yeah, that's it really in a, in a nutshell. It's it's I, it, it was created so that I would have a way to explain the two personas. And are you you're speaking primarily about leadership? Yeah, student leadership. Uh, it, it, interestingly, this week I'm 
doing an event for Constant Contact. Mm. I'm also doing a keynote for 200 accountants whose companies just merged. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm also doing a keynote for Meeting Professionals International. For Constant uh, Contact rather than your performance fee, are you just going to charge them like 30 bucks a month? Yeah, for the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> should you do that? I yeah. feel like you should do that. Yeah, I think all my jokes are going to bounce back. <laughs> so good. All right, let's move on. For the next question, if you get it wrong, you've got to tell me about the best gift you've ever given someone. Okay. If you get it right, I'll tell you mine. In this okay. story, we talked about lotus shoes, which were these tiny three-inch shoes made for bound feet. What percentage of footwear is currently manufactured in China? So today, in 2022, yeah. what percentage of footwear? Here are your three options. A, 80%, B, 28%, or C, 54%? I'm going to go with 80%. I'm going with... 80% of footwear? The Correct. answer is C, 54%. Come on. Come on now. So China is the world's largest uh, footwear manufacturing country. No, there's no one that makes more shoes than China. In 2017, China accounted for over 57%, so they're on the decline. Uh, in 2021, they still produced more than half of the world's shoes. The U.S. is the largest market for shoes in the world. 99% of the U.S. shoes are imported, which Interesting. is, I, you know, that, that figure probably yeah. could have guessed. There are not a lot of shoe manufacturers in the U.S. Boot manufacturers, we've got a few Boot, big ones. Yeah, but even boots may be manufactured overseas. Yeah, I like, I wear Red Wing boots. I know that those are domestic. Um, there are also, uh, we have Rocky, what is it? Here in Ohio, they, they make Rocky something boots. God, you know, I should know this. Um, <laughs> I drive by their plant yeah. all the time. I'm going to get some. Uh, and Red Wing, Minnesota is where they make Red Wing. I've driven by that plant as well. So that's that's a fun fact. So when do you go back on the road? Um, I am off for the for the whole month, which is great. Okay. Not till January. January something nice. is when I'm back out. Nice. And yeah. uh, as you're celebrating the holidays... Um, since you got that one wrong, can you, can you recall back to the best gift you've ever given someone? I think that's, yes, the best gift I've ever given someone. This is I, immediately when you ask that. So, uh, my wife, I, I'm now coming up on 20 years of marriage. 20. Okay. Congratulations. I'm coming up on 20 years of marriage. So, but I didn't get married until uh, my wife and I were already dating for a few years, like four years, in fact. And after our first year of our first year anniversary of dating. Um, so my parents live in Mexico, they have a bed and breakfast, and my mother represented this really neat Mexican folk artist who does it from Oaxaca. Oaxaca is a southern region of Mexico. They do this really nice silk. Oh, silk, I think you're pronouncing silk. it wrong. It's Oaxaca is how you oh, say I'm that. Sorry. Oaxaca. I'm sorry. Oaxaca. Oaxaca. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, anyway, I'm sorry. So they represented this artist. I, I, bought, I, I bought this really nice piece of in, unique uh sewn wall art oh. and and i and i and i and i bought it from my mother who was the representative of this artist and i remember my mother saying i was like jason this is a really nice piece are you sure about this like <laughs> <laughs> but it's still in my home because um i and i think even after a year of dating i was like well i'm really buying it for me too <laughs> yeah right so the yeah, best so gift you've ever given someone was a gift for yourself Oh, shoot. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's good enough, though. Um, and, and you know what? Like when a gift has a story behind it and meaning that makes it 
that makes it that much better. Um, yeah. yeah, and then my wife. So the other fun part is that my wife then made the frame that it's in. Wow, your we, wife we can make just make frames. Yeah, my wife is in, it, it woodworking at summer camp. We work in a summer camp in Maine, uh-huh. and the um, the wood shop is very um, counselor friendly. In our time off, that we can go in there and do some woodworking. That's maybe cool. that's where I got my my knack for tools. Yeah, it could it could well, be yeah, and you know if you're yeah. around that all the time, then absolutely. Wow. Um, let's, let's move on. You are one for two. And uh, question three is always for one of these bad boys. So this is a tell me what to Google. Uh, oh, it used to be tell me what to Google. This is, a, I have the real stickers. They, this is, this used to be the podcast. These are the old stickers. I've got the new <laughs> stickers. The internet says it's true. We rebranded after yeah. the first like 25 episodes. Um, I love it. So you'll get a sticker if you get this right. They're perfect for guitar cases and whatnot. What cool. percentage of American women have bunions? The oh. uh, the options are A, yeah. less than 2%, B, 13%, or C, more than 50%. Oh, I'm going to go with 13. The I'm answer, See, more than 50% of American women have bunions. Can you believe that? That is way higher than I would have imagined. Uh, Women are more likely to have bunions than men. And the reason that this is topical and pertinent to this episode is the reason for that is their shoes. Women who have worn high heels or shoes that are extra tight near the toes often develop bunions. So much like you and your wrong-fitting shoes, this is why um, more women have bunions because they don't, you know, it's it's a sacrifice that they are making for fashion and for society. So. That's amazing. So I so I was basing it on only my immediate family. Like you my grandmother counted. has bunions and my daughter has bunions and nobody else that I know has bunions other than somebody at one point said, oh, your daughter's going to have bunions someday. And I and I, and I was Wait, like, they know, you know that. And I was like, how do you know? And she's like, well, she's already showing signs of having bunions. And I was like, that's an interesting thing to notice for like a three year old. Um, wow. Yeah, and and she wasn't wearing heels um, uh, that's, yet. That's yeah. amazing. So so there is a, like a genetic aspect to it. Then I guess so. I I had no idea, but fifty seems. Um, we need to help the world. Well, Let's. I'm okay with like I don't really care all that much about a woman's as in terms of fashion. Not that yeah. they're doing it for me, but I don't really care all that much about footwear. Yeah, you know a well, lot that's of fashion. That's my point. Like it's for me, it hurt. It's like I'm I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit disheartened that there's that many folks who might be going through foot pain for fashion. Seriously. And when you think about a lot of fashion, it's not for, it's generally not for like the opposite gender or whatever. Anyway, it's, it's usually it's for you and it's for societal norms that are sort of, you know, within your peer group. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, another one of these things is like, I don't mind like gray hair on, on women. I think that, there's something about <laughs> you got gray in your beard. I got it in my temples. I also have it in my beard, but um, yeah. there's something about, I just don't, it doesn't bother me. And, you know, um, people go through great lengths to color their hair and um, to Man, do all I'm, these things. So. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the going, the unnatural aging gracefully is I think a big part of my um, personal philosophy. Also because I'm looking forward to making a killing at the holidays as a mall Santa. Oh, you're gonna kill it! You're starting like these last few cr- years. Yeah, just, I want to. I want to. I want to crush. Go. I want to crush that market. I want to be the Santa in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, I have a buddy who sells magic, like tricks, magic tricks specifically to Santas. 
And so Do I'll it. hook you guys up at that point. You can be a magical mall Santa. People will love it. Oh, man, that's so cool. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I got a passion for watching magic. Yeah, you well, you get to see a lot. I love watching. Um, you, I love you know, watching magic. I know I know maybe two two tricks. But like But they're really best to, in front of like toddlers. Because of what we do, I know mm-hmm. a ton of musicians and you know right. a ton of magicians. I do. And it's just a weird sort of thing. It's like I know more jugglers than any human is supposed to know. Right. And even yeah. a few like ventriloquists and things like that. But uh so when you watch a magician just having seen so many, does that ruin it a little bit for you since you've kind of seen so much of it? No, I think I'm a really great audience member. You're able I to suspend I'm, your disbelief. I'm, oh yeah, because well I, I I really know that I mean I'm I'm fooled easily, right? But I and I know that there's been like thousands of hours of work have gone into that sleight of hand or or the or those prayers to the demons that you get from which you get your powers, right? Or both. So I, yeah. yeah. So there's that. I, you know, I, I respect that. <laughs> well, we <laughs> you know, all appreciate. Y'all pray that. to witches. Y'all pray to witches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something wrong with that? Uh, okay. So you're one for three. Let's go to question four. This. Wait, question, do I owe you a sticker? Do I owe you a sticker? No, you don't owe me a sticker, but I'll gladly take one. I got. I got it. I got JL stickers. I want one I of the JL like with the arrows. Yeah. I want one of those. Yeah. I used right. to have one. I don't know what ever happened to. Actually, I think it's yeah. on this case, right? It's either that's on cool. this case right here or the, or one of the cases in the garage. I do have one of your stickers. I need another for one. Of, for those of y'all in podcast land wondering what the JL, those are my initials. The and, J- uh, Jason and, and I made stickers that had my initials on them. Yeah, and they have uh, like the, the, it looks like a traffic it looks like sign. A road sign. Yeah, I don't have any arrows. here. Oh, wait, I do have one on this uh, here. Yeah, for the folks on Patreon who are able to, to for the folks that are watching this, at home. There you go. So there's the, uh, the it's actually uh, the, a great sticker. Yeah, this is a, this is a giveaway that we did at conferences. It's a koozie nice. to keep your sodas chilly Fantastic. in the summer. Fantastic. Have you seen my koozies that I sell? No. I'll grab one real quick. You got to see this. This is cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Michael just disappeared. That's that was it's, real magic just then. My uh <laughs> my so this is a callback to the show. Uh yeah. It's a koozie that says not beer. Oh, which it. is great uh for Zoom meetings. This is fantastic for yeah. on any sort of on-screen activity or just yeah. at a tailgate um because if you don't drink alcohol, then you can still use it and it's literal. And it's yeah. just your little joke. But uh, yeah. anywho, that's, that's good stuff right there. keep the cops away with that. I sell those on my website. Or if you join the Patreon at the $5 or higher level, I'm going to mail you a couple. So there you I'll go. Take it down. Uh, yeah. So we're going to play for this next one for your best travel tip or hack. So if you get it wrong, you got to okay. share like a travel tip. If you get it right, yeah. I'll share one of mine. Here's okay. your question. This one, I think of the five are, is this one's the most difficult. Okay. How many bones are in the human foot? Is it A, 26, B, 13, or C, 9? I'm going big. It's 26. 26? The answer is 26. There are 26 bones in a foot. And believe it or not, that's one quarter of all the bones found in your body. Each foot has 33 joints, 107 ligaments, and 19 tendons and muscles. The foot is a very complex piece of machinery. We should pay more attention to our feet. We should. Absolutely. Wear shoes that fit. Uh, so my travel tip to you is yeah. I have shared one on a previous episode where I talked about the clips and the curtains. You know that one, I'm sure. 
You can I use, take. The, I, use, I use sharpies. Sharpie the like the the pocket clip from a sharpie yeah. to hold the just curtains make, together. I, I use the pen and I just clip the curtain with the. Well, like that works. Except for pen. I have an issue with the, all my sharpies look like this. Like the I break oh, the yeah, I break yeah. the clips off of sharpies like none other. I don't know why I'm so. You're maybe explaining what you're saying. Strong. I mean, I don't know if you you clarified is it the, the way that the the curtains can drift apart. Yes. Yes. To so hold that them one, together. if you were on the ground floor, one could peek in, or if you were, if you preferred to sleep late in the morning, you would keep the sun from a shining on your face. Yeah, which neither of those are necessarily like an issue. I'm not walking around my hotel room naked for a and b. Yeah. Um, I'm always out of the hotel before the sun rises in the morning. Anyway, it feels, but it's more like. I always get stuck on a room where like the the hotel sign is right outside the window and it's like, super bright, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, glaring in. Um, right. So my travel tip this time, though, is if you travel a lot, yeah, use the credit card from whatever company you're flying with. Or if you're, you know, staying at a hotel, use their credit. Use a credit card that's a travel credit card to accumulate points and stick with that one. I personally have always done, I, I fly Southwest very often. And so like sure. I'll use the Southwest credit card and I pay with that and I accumulate points like crazy on that thing. I don't use them for free flights. I use it for free stuff like gift cards. Ah, and and sure. um, I've Clever. bought two different computers, a television, a grill. I've all the nicest stuff I own. I've bought with airline points rather than, you know, paying for it. Oh, clever, clever. Sort of a, just That's a way to make yeah. it. So maximize your pointage by using a credit card that has gifts on the on the back end yeah may, may i offer a travel please uh, tip? please do yeah. even though i even though i got the answer correct about the 26 bones um i think this is one of the most helpful ones for families who travel or for anybody on a road trip um is that you never have to um be in a in an uncleanly bathroom because you can always poop in a hotel lobby right yeah. you can always pull into a hotel and walk into the lobby and wave to the folks at the front desk and just make your way to the restroom. And nobody uses that restroom because everyone uses their rooms. I always say this, yeah. and I never do it. Um, I think I personally am not bothered by dirty gas station bathrooms. I know my wife is. Like she would yeah. much rather go to a like a like a restaurant, like a, even like a fast food restaurant bathroom is going to be nicer than a gas station. So we'll do that. Um, but I always forget to bring up the the hotel idea but it's a great yeah. idea and they're nice those are very nice bathrooms and nobody I, I, knows you know I, I i now drive back and forth from tennessee to maine in june and august because my, my whole family goes to me and we are um we are lobby poopers that's great they're yeah. nice and and you know you just walk in and you have to have the confidence that you belong there and that that's where you're staying and nobody will well, say a thing to you interestingly i mean the folks who worked the night when folks were checking in are not the same folks who are working in the morning traditionally that's true too they don't know who the heck is staying and, in the and, hotel and you might you are a vip you know from the perspective of every hotel that you go to you're a very important person and you've got stuff to do. Do you ever go to the hotels that have like the really thick hand drying towels? Like, yeah. The, well, the Marriott in Hartford. There you go. NACA, National Association for Campus Activities Regional Conference in New England at Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. That lobby bathroom. You could, if you sewed many together, <laughs> you would have you would have a you would have a nice quilt. <laughs> that could warm you. You could move to Alaska with the quilt that you made from the lobby 
of the Marriott in Hartford. It is a nice Marriott, I will say. Yeah. Uh, and it's although the Starbucks closes way too soon in that too Marriott. Soon. Um, I was supposed to be there this last fall and then that's when I got sick. So I, I had to cancel on that one. Um, so let's see, did you get that one right? You did. Um, yep. we've done the travel tips. You went two for four. So this oh, next one great. is for all the marbles. This is the one that decides if you yeah. get it wrong, I'm banning you from this podcast. I will not ask yeah. you on a second time. If you get it wrong, uh, or if you get it right, I'm, I'm happy to have you back. Here Great. is your question. We're ending 2022. Um, what is, I don't, I, whether you do New Year's resolutions or not, what is something that you want to do better in 2023? Oh, is this a, is this, do, do this, I get, one, this is open ended for you. Oh, 2023 is, I get an open ended, you know, yeah, um, personal health. Personal I, health. And, 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 and I know that that's, one that I may have said many, many years, but I've had lots of family members with serious illnesses and, and more than a handful of deaths Oof, in my, in my parent and my mom, mom's side of the family. And just thinking about like how, and then in the last week I watched a special on Disney plus with Chris Hemsworth and it's a six part series on, on personal health and wellness. And it really, it was really uh, educational. So learning from Thor is very helpful. Yeah. Um, so that push you like, are we talking um, diet? Are we talking exercise? Both? We're talking, I think primarily um, it is both, but I think the one thing that I have most control over is going to be diet because of just the amount of travel. It's hard. Uh, yeah. I've tried again, again, I'm not complaining about the luxury of staying in hotels, but not all hotel treadmills are the same. And yeah, and I'm not a treadmill snob, but uh you know, I, I think I think I think making de definitive commitments to what you put into your body um, and being more firm about that. I think I've, you know, like I was talking about the gray in my beard, you know, I, um, perhaps I won't be bouncing back as quickly from from misbehaviors like seconds on cake the way that I have, you know, up to yeah. this point. It gets harder as as we get older. And uh, for but me, your feet get bigger. Your feet get bigger. <laughs> Apparently feet grow. Who your knew? Your feet grow. I thought my feet were done growing, um, but it makes sense. I'm still learning. I should still be growing physically as well. Um, dude, it's been so great to have you on the Thank podcast. So you went three for five. Fantastic job. I'm happy to have you back oh, on the podcast. Yeah. And um, that's going to be all for this week. Thank you so much to my friend Jason Lavasser for being my guest. Thank you, Michael Kent, for letting me be on The Internet Says It's True. It is an honor and a pleasure. Here's a kid who wears five-inch shoes. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton, because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it! See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True!
The internet says it's true. We'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Dallas Ray, Sean Brown, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under fair use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts. And you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.